Amen. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2. If you have God's word, we're going to the book of Acts chapter 2. And we're going to be picking up there around verse 40, 42 through 47. I, uh, I find myself a little bit nervous as I prepare to share the message this morning. Uh, because, you know, the topic that we're eventually going to get into... Uh, it can be sticky at times, you know, because, you know, what business is it of mine, how you, how you obey God, how you are obedient to him or how you give to the Lord. I mean, really what business is it of mine? I mean, how, how dare I meddle in these things? And so I, I'm a little bit nervous sometimes when I think about it, because I understand that the relationship that you have with God, it's very personal and it's very intimate and God is an intimate God. Amen. And yet we experience this thing that is called God or this thing called faith. We experience it in the context of community. And we are a community of believers. And that's why I find myself in the book of Acts in chapter 2, around verse 42. But before we get to verse 42, really it's a review of the launch of the early church. And as we review the launch of the early church, we know there was time they spent getting organized and, you know, deciding who's in charge and not in charge. And they present themselves really as a united front in front of the people and the people, the crowds have gathered and Peter preaches. Remember that. And the Holy Spirit falls upon the people that happens in community, by the way. The Holy Spirit falls upon the people as the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and they experience power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I understand that in all the things that we do and all the things that we attempt and even this thing that we do called worship, like we were just doing, that absent the Holy Spirit, it's empty. It is empty without the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, even building homes. It's empty without the power of the Holy Spirit. How many believe that today? Say amen. And so I understand that as we begin to review the history of this early church, that the Holy Spirit is key. And in fact, in about a month and a half, two months, I'm going to launch a series, a more lengthy series called Powered by Acts. And you'll begin to see signs and banners. And and we're going to get into the early church in those first two chapters. And we're going to talk about the power that comes to us as we understand and see what it means to be a believer of Jesus Christ. But this morning, I come to this part of the passage, which is the latter part of chapter 2 here. And we address the follow-through. You know, the follow-through. What it means, you know, not only after the exciting emotional high that we have when we meet Jesus for the very first time, but what does follow-through and what does follow-through look like for this early church? It's like, you know, the idea of follow-through, it's like somebody that golfs. Any golfers in here? And, you know, the follow through as you swing the club, you know, is important. Not only how you address the ball and you you swing your club and and you make contact with the ball. That's important. But it's also important how the club follows through. It affects the trajectory and the effectiveness of your shot. The follow through is important. Right, guys, gals? Like swinging a bat. It is the follow through that makes all the difference in the world. And so we talk about the early church and we begin to look through the follow through now in regards to to how they are living out their faith in the day to day, in the tediousness of 
of, of day after day after day, we say we have faith and what's it look like to have faith? I guess what I'm saying is it's easy to be happy and energetic the first day of work or the first few months of a marriage. Or how about the first few times that you mow a lawn and you have a new lawnmower, right, Don? You have a new lawnmower and so it's exciting the first couple times. Or you launch into a new class, you start a new semester, right? And you're excited about doing your homework there for the first few days. But, but what about the follow through? <laughs> I mean, how you, you react in the tediousness of making it happen. And so what I see here in this passage or this, the, these few verses is, is what does maintenance mode for believers look like? And then think about that as we begin to read in verse, uh, verse 42, chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I, you know, what's cool about the scripture, it always makes everything sound so spiritual. <laughs> and this does sound very spiritual, but there's some real practical aspects about what's it mean to live a, a, a life of faith. How, how do we live like a believer should live and, and he kind of has given us direction, showing us what it looks like. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Interesting. Very interesting. Because we, we want to claim, oh, we're like the New Testament church. But what if. What if we really were like the New Testament church? Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I like that. Positive attitudes. Verse 47. Praising God. This is what they're doing. They're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you, Father, for the example you've given us in the early church here. And I pray that, that Lord, that you, would, uh, that you would just speak to our hearts. I pray for the one that is, you know, maybe they're searching today. Or maybe there's some questions that are unanswered. Uh, maybe, Father in heaven, it's some obstacle that's in life for somebody. And they're just wrestling through that. I, I pray, Father, that, that whatever that we hear this morning, and maybe... You know, that one would not even hear what I have to say, but there's something else that you're saying that the Holy Spirit is speaking to that young man or that young woman. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, that is the message that we'll hear, the one that you want us to hear. And so, Father, I pray your anointing upon the word. Help us, Lord, understand it. Help us, Lord, study the word. And may we glorify you in our efforts. So we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. So let's study just a little bit, and we're going to go verse by verse for, for a little while, and then we'll kind of move in, in really the direction I think that this passage is taking us. So we look at verse 42, and it says devoted, and, and so I'm thinking, what does devoted mean? Because they were devoted, right? And, and so they were devoted to specific things, they were devoted to specific Effort. They're spending their energies on these things. And, of course, we read through a litany of, of things in this passage. And we know it was about learning. They were learning about the gospel. They were learning about, you know, maybe the Old Testament, the, the text that they had at that time. And they were learning from those that were maybe wiser. 
They, they were learning probably from stories that were being shared. And I don't know about you, but when somebody shares an authentic story about themselves, about their encounter, their experience, it gets my attention. I mean, it captures my attention because they're sharing with authenticity that this is what the difference is. This is what Jesus did for me. And it gets me excited as I hear the stories that are being told. And so they were they were learning together and they were growing in that way as they're sharing stories. I can imagine that. And, and they were becoming the body of Christ. And, you know, part of becoming the body of Christ is that we have fellowship and we have fellowship together and we have fun together and we we fellowship with each other. And we talk about, you know, our relationships, not only amongst ourselves, but the relationship that we have with our father. We understand the scripture teaches us as iron sharpens iron and we hold each other accountable in that fellowship. And sometimes the fellowship is just having fun. Last night, Heidi and I went to game night. With one of our classes and uh, we had this game night and I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I'm telling you what, I haven't laughed that hard in months <laughs> and we laughed together and we had fellowship. But the most important part is we ate. <laughs> we had a lot of food and it was good, Tracy. I appreciated that. That's the liquid tacos. It, it was so awesome. That's my name for that. It was so good. Um, really good cook. And, and so we had this fellowship as we become the church or becoming the church with each other. And that was part of it. And then and, and then that's that's becoming the body of Christ fellowship and, and then remembering Jesus death and resurrection, Jesus death and resurrection. And so there's the sacrament of the Lord's Supper as we are preparing, you know, for the end of the service. So there's the fellowship, the body of believers that are coming together, that we're experiencing you know, this faith walk in relationship. But then we also remember, you know, what Jesus Christ has done for us as God has become flesh and dwelt among us. And so we're, we're teaching. These are mechanisms that, that are teaching us, you know, what the body of Christ is. And then there's talking, you know, talking with God and, and the prayer and all that. So this is foundation. If we were to say, what's the summary we summarize saying this is the foundation, this litany of, of things that they, they were experiencing together. But then we jump to verse 43. Now, bear with me. Again, we're just studying a little bit. In verse 43, wonders and signs. Now, this could mean supernatural. You know, I, I a few times I have seen... Uh, I've seen supernatural. I've seen a miracle. I've, I've witnessed a miracle. Because God is a, you know, a miracle working God. And I would not ever hesitate or stop and say, well, I don't believe or I don't want to pray. man. I want to do that because I know God is the miracle working God and the supernatural can happen. Amen. But I also know that God works supernaturally. And then supernaturally, he works his plan together and he works divinely in our life and he's working divinely in your life. And supernaturally, we discover, wow, God, God must have been working there because a friend of a brother or a brother's friend or somebody tells you about a doctor that's the only doctor like that in the metropolitan area. And it's the exact doctor that you need to see. And you say, wow, God's working supernaturally. I know God's working supernaturally. He does that. It's like my wife, I, my wife, Heidi, we met, I don't know, about 33 years ago. And I remember being called to preach at 15. I had this idea of the kind of person that I wanted to marry. And I met Heidi and man, that's all. I mean, it was no question. I, this is the woman that I wanted to marry. And I realized some years later, God didn't give me the one that I wanted. That sounds bad. Don't 
kill me for that. The one I want, he gave me the one that I needed because God works supernaturally. Amen. And you see that in your own life. You've experienced that. And then we look at verse 44. Go to verse 44. Look back at the passage there. Together, he talks about or speaks about being together, which can mean that we are all together bodily or physically. We are together as we are in the sanctuary or maybe more explicitly we're together in thought and together in understanding, together in our purpose and intentions. We're together because we have like experiences and we have these things in common as we have now come to this place where we have this five year strategic plan and, and a part of the plan are goals that we've set together. And we have this in common as we talk about reaching those goals and, and, and those goals cause us to serve and to be mobilized in community and, and other ways and other things. Like, for example, the Freedom Sunday that's coming up here in, in just a couple Sundays. And so we have these things in common, this common practice that that allow us to relate together all for the glory of the kingdom of God. Now, what we see next, this is key. It is a process by which the spirit of God is developing the spirit of generosity among us, the spirit of generosity in community. I mean, think about that. For a moment, because as we read the passage together and we know the context, I mean, the, the, the background, there was a spirit of unity because they're breaking bread together and they're fellowshipping together and they're learning together and they're being the church together. And so there's spirit of unity that was overriding here. But out of the spirit of unity, there is a spirit of generosity. So what am I saying? Now, bear with me. Unity is generosity. Say that with me. Unity is generosity. And unity we find in Acts here is not stewardship. This is key. The unity in Acts is not stewardship. It is lordship. Amen. It's lordship. Uh, People who have made Christ Lord of their lives in every part of their life, in every uh, dot and tittle, in every every category, in every way that we can imagine. They, They are saying that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. I love the way that one preacher, he says it like this. He says, hold things loosely. This is Tony Evans, by the way. He preaches, hold things loosely. If not, it hurts when Jesus pries our fingers open. <laughs> I mean, what a challenge for us. And, and you know, to understand what, what God, maybe what Jesus, you know, has shown us as we remember this early church. And there is the spirit of generosity. And the reason there's a spirit of generosity is because there's a spirit of of unity. Now, let me pause for a moment and make something, I mean, really clear today. I don't want to make a mistake here. I want this to really be clear. Here it is. Do you remember the concept of tithing? Do you remember the concept? How many remember what the concept of tithing is? And tithing is not just an offering. You see, tithing is... An offering, by the way, is above and beyond tithing, but tithing is where we are giving, you know, 10% to God. We give generously 10% to the Lord, and we do not let the right hand know what the left hand is doing, because it, it is tithing, not offering. Offering, we direct offering maybe to missions, or we direct offering maybe to a mission trip, or, or, or maybe it's the knitting club, or whatever it is, that's an offering. But you see, the tithing is that 10% that God calls us to, to commit to because of the faith that we have in Him, and because we want to be obedient to His plan and, and his, uh, his ministry, his, his kingdom, because He's called us to do that. So we need to understand that. 
So I, I guess what I want to say, and I'm kind of rambling here, but I, I want to say this. Most people who struggle with tithing struggle with the concept of generosity. Remember, we're talking about the spirit of unity and out of the spirit of unity, the byproduct is what? The byproduct is generosity, right? And yet we come to this place that reminds us that most people who struggle with tithing struggle with the concept of generosity. Now, generosity is not about tithing, but tithing happens as a result of the spirit of generosity. Now, now look at the rest of the passage. Go with me. We go back to the passage and look at the history a bit. And what happens in this new church that is really exploding. I mean, they're not just I use the word maintenance mode or that phrase. And it's not just maintenance mode, but they are flourishing. And let's look at what happens. What's happening in verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, positive attitude, praising God and joined the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. But you see what's the precursor to all this, you see, is they sold property and possessions to give anyone who had, had need. So what we see here, we're delving into it now. This is a ministry of, of generosity, which becomes the extension of God's church, meeting and praying and living out the word of God in life. And so you see, this is a revelation of really two dynamics. Now, bear with me, two dynamics. And the first dynamic we see is that they discovered that the word or, or the gospel, it brings life. The gospel brings life, which is unlimited resources, not necessarily, you know, worldly, but the heavenly resources. Amen. Unlimited heavenly resources. Why? Because the gospel brings life. This is the law of return. We understand the law of return, not because pastor says that, because the Bible teaches us that, that as we are obedient to God and we are giving God, we cannot outgive God. Amen. We were talking about screaming it from the mountaintops. We need to scream it from the mountaintops. We cannot outgive God. I, uh, I, I love the, the quote of a philanthropist, a f- great philanthropist that gave and gave and gave to a lot of special needs. And, and he was asked one time, how is it that you still have so much, but yet you, you give so much? And he says, well, I just keep shoveling it out and he keeps shoveling it in. And then he added, but the thing is, God has a much bigger shovel than I have. Amen. And we're shouting from the mountaintops that we cannot outgive God. So they discovered that the word or the gospel brings life and limited resource, heavenly resources as we give to God. And then the second truth is or the second dynamic is generosity is the natural extension of faith. Say that with me. Generosity is the natural extension of faith. Why? Because God is our provision. Because God is our provision and as our provider, he provides as we are generous. He provides as we respond to God in obedience to the challenge that God gives us. And, 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 and I wonder if I need to say this. Somebody came up to me and said, Pastor, you said something. I want to know what it is. I can't remember. It's simple. And, and we got around to it and we figured out it was this statement. He wanted to know the statement. He wanted to write it down. Here is the statement. The opposite of generosity is selfishness. And when I read what I typed, 
it caused me to pause. Because I'm thinking of my selfish. The opposite of generosity is selfishness. They say, well, pastor, why, why the title? Why a $6,000 sermon? Well, the example is, say you have a couple, a husband and wife, they're married. And let's say each of them make $1,500. They bring home $1,500 every two weeks. So that is two checks in a two-week period. That's four checks in a four-week period or a month. And so they, they bring home four checks. And so you add that up. It's more than 60000 but it's, it's at least 60000 So 10% of the 60000 is what? $6,000. So, so their tithe, it, it would be $6,000 $6, for that, that two-income you know, household, that, that family. And you say, well, okay, now we're talking about the word and we're talking about, okay, unity. The byproduct of unity is generosity. So what motivates us? Well, it it should be just simply the command of God. It should be that not because the pastor's preaching or because it's an idea that man has created. It should be that this is the law of God. It's the law of return, remember. And it's the law of God. And the fact that it is the law of God, that should be enough for us to say, okay, I need to do this. I need to have faith and do it. But, but why do we, why would we, in a spirit of unity, and the byproduct is generosity, then why would we be committed to the, I mean, it, it's that, that community. I, Heidi and I went on a vacation after Christmas. We took a week to go see her parents in Idaho Falls, and then I have a bunch of relatives and cousins personally in the Nampa, Boise area. And so we came from Idaho Falls, got down into Boise, and in the Boise and the Nampa area, I passed by, I hadn't been in that area for maybe five years, and I passed by probably at least ten uh, new businesses that have cropped up a chain uh, called, I think it's called Dutchman's Coffee. Is it Dutchman's? It's Dutchman's Coffee. Huh? Dutch Brothers Coffee. And I'd never, I've never been exposed to that chain before, never seen them before. And, and they've just popped up all over the place down there. And, and they were everywhere. And I was blown away. I mean, it's a pretty big building. It's not just a little tiny drive through thing. It's like from that corner to that corner and wide. I mean, it's a pretty big building. And the cars are lined up more than Starbucks. Cars were lined up and, and there was this outside sitting area and there was like these, you know, metal chairs here and here. And then there was these heaters up here like this. And there's a big, not just a window, but a big, big, big window people could walk up and stand at and, and order their coffee. And the place was buzzing and everyone we went by it was just popping with electricity. I couldn't believe it. This is Nampa. I grew up in Nampa. I'd never seen it. So so I said, I got to get some coffee. And we pull over and and. Uh, we're standing, I'm standing at this big, big wide window and people are out here sitting and driving. And I'm looking inside. There's like 10 people working at this drive through this little small coffee drive through and, and there's 10 people and they're all young. They're like probably like 18 to 24 or something like, I mean, they're young and there's this energy. And I said to this one boy, I said, man, what's the thing here? Why, why are you guys so excited? And he said, well, let me, uh, let me tell this other guy. And he, he speaks about it better. And so he grabbed this other guy over here. And while the two guys are talking to me, there's some in the background hearing the conversation and they're nodding their head, nod their head. And he said, it's not about the coffee. Now the coffee's good. I've had a lot of good coffee. The coffee's great, but it's not any better than you know, anywhere else. So what's the deal? 
And this one boy that was more articulate than the other, he said, well, it's not about the coffee, he said. It's the fact that we, we love working here. It's the community. And we believe that we're, as a community, doing something good for our community, the greater Nampa Boise area. And they were experiencing community. And folks, it was palpable. Their energy was palpable because they were experiencing community, which is like unity. And out of unity, the byproduct is generosity. And I'm thinking, wow, this is kind of, this is just kind of like the kingdom of God. Because they had a healthy community. And I imagine healthy community promotes healthy families and healthy individuals. And, and, and all of a sudden we see here in the book of Acts in chapter 2 that the healthy church and the unity was happening. And, and it's not just a dynamic that we're throwing out here. It was, it was, it was, it was a measure. It was the measure. It is the measure that they are giving and they are sacrificial because they're experiencing community and they're glorifying the kingdom for God's glory. Amen. So we look at this challenge that God gives us and there's some depth to it. And yes, the fact that it's God's command should be enough for us to step out in faith. But there's so much more depth than that. I I look at a few passages that helped kind of crystallize our thinking. Look at Second Peter chapter three, verse eleven. I think we have these verses for you. But Second Peter chapter three, looking at verse eleven. What sort of people? This is Second Peter. Yeah, that's a different verse. Sir. What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct? Well, no, that's it. What kind of people you ought to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. I have it a little bit different here. Um, what sort of people? So this passage has us imagine how a Christian looks in, in living their life out, in living their faith out. How, how do we imagine our mind's eye? How do we imagine that, you know, to be? How can we imagine, you know, we look to other people as they see us living our faith out? And then we go to Luke chapter 8, looking at verse 14. Luke chapter 8, looking at verse 14, which points to the reality of how worries and riches can choke out good intentions. And we read this here. This is Luke 8:14. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures in life and bring no fruit to maturity. So the seed is that God has called us and we believe in God. We have faith in God. He calls us to the law of return. He calls us to faithfulness and stewardship. And maybe perhaps even this morning, this Sunday morning, you're inspired to be faithful in stewardship. You're inspired to be faithful in giving to the Lord, understanding the concept of a tithe. But then the seed of of knowledge that you receive is being choked because of the temptations of this world and the temptations of this life. And maybe the idea of greed or whatever it is, the enemy loves for that to happen, that all this inspiration and this conviction that you feel would be choked off and it would go away because the enemy wants that to happen. He doesn't want you to be obedient to the Lord. Amen. 
And then in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, what does that, how does that read? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so what do we see here? God is our provision. Amen. God is our provider. He will provide for us and he will meet our needs as we seek first the kingdom of God. And so what is it? We become generous because we are putting God first. It is about lordship, not what? Stewardship. You see, giving to the Lord is about lordship, not stewardship. And so as we think about this this morning, I want to leave this quote with you. Here's the quote. God judges what we give by what we keep. God judges what we give by what we keep. You want peace in life. (laughs) You want to really, really walk in blessing? Understand the law of giving. The law of return that God will bless you as you're obedient to God. You take that step of faith and say, Father, I want to be obedient in this manner as I understand and believe in faith this law of blessing and return. And we're obedient to God in tithes and offerings. I want to invite us to stand and bow our heads. Let's do that. We're going to stand together. Let's stand first. And let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I understand that this, you know, what business of this is mine? How dare I, I, you know, broach this, this subject, this topic with you. But really it's more about your relationship with Jesus Christ than it is your relationship with me or the church. Because you see, it's not about stewardship. It's about lordship. It's about Jesus Christ being Lord of your life. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, God, that you're giving us opportunity for lordship. I thank you, Lord, that you're helping us understand. Helping us not to be too judgmental, but realize that, Father, that that we are on the cusp of of real blessing. On the cusp of, of finding and discovering, Lord, your will and your alignment that you have a plan for us. And I pray for that one this morning that is struggling with the idea of what it means to be generous and to have a generous spirit. I pray for that one that is struggling with the idea of, of understanding this, this law of, of tithes. And it's possible that some of us have made decisions where we're in a situation where we don't see where it's possible. How could we do this? But, Father, I know that you bless those that try. I know that you bless those that, that say, God, I want to be obedient. And so, Father, I pray right now that you just be with that young man, that young woman today. Lord, whether they're in grade school, whether they're a college student, whether they're a retired senior adult, Father, that you would bless them as they take a step of faith and say, Father, I want to be obedient to you in tithes. I want to be obedient to you in generosity. I want to be a part of the community, the family of God, Lord. And Lord, I know that this is part of your plan for my life, that you want to bless me. And so, Father, help me be obedient in this area of tithing, of gifting to you, Father, what is yours to begin with. And so with our heads bowed and eyes closed, we're praying. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you, moving your heart. Maybe there's some anxiety that you're experiencing right now, but know this, God is speaking. It's the Lord speaking to you. Be obedient to Him. Align yourself with Him and say, Okay, God, I want you to be Lord. I'm going to be obedient here. I want you to be Lord of my life. And so I'm going to be obedient in this area of tithes, this area of giving to you. 
And so, Father, I pray that you would just speak to that heart, that young woman right now that's struggling and said, Man, I, I've got all these reasons why I shouldn't and why I can't. But, Father, bless them as they are saying, Lord, I'm going to do this in faith. Be with that husband that is saying, Lord, I need to be obedient in faith here. And, Lord, I know that you will bless them. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you, Jesus, for the chance that we have to hear your voice this morning. Thank you, Father, for giving us a chance to glorify you, to exercise this faith that we have in you. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. In a moment, we're going to sing, and Kelly's going to lead us in our response time. But, you know, maybe possibly the Lord is just stretching you, you know, these days and, and it's possible that maybe you know you need to begin in some way being obedient in the area of, of tithing and and you know how that look it might look different for different people we understand the law the law is black and white but begin begin somewhere and get to where God has called you to be and I believe God will bless you and you'll bless our church as we gather as community. And you're part of that community. Amen. Hallelujah. Trust the Lord. He will be faithful to you if you trust Him in this.